0: Welcome to the Story Night Podcast, a place where we share hearts, our hurts, and how God's wonder intersects with the story of our lives. A ministry of Calvary Mac. Here's our host, Jessica Campbell. Hi, ladies, and welcome back to the Story Night Podcast. Tonight I have such a special throwback episode for you, and I hope you love it. Many of you know that the Story Night Ministry began in Santa Barbara as a live event for women all over the community to come and attend, and I've been able to share many of the recordings from those past events here on the podcast. Tonight, I'm honored to share with you the very first Story Night featuring Magdalene Pop. In this recording, you'll hear her share her story of escaping East Germany after World War II along with an introduction and a closing prayer from Bonnie Fuhrer, the creator of Story Night, who was our podcast guest on episode one. Ladies, I hope you are touched and blessed by this story that Magdalene shared in 2008.
1: It's a fun reason to gather together. And I the reason we wanted to do this is that all of us want to know a little bit about each other's story because it informs us in our lives and as we look you know as women of faith and and some of you may be looking in on that and wondering about that but for women who grew up with some kind of faith or have newly come to faith we are absolutely dependent not only on the stories of of the people we read about in the bible but on the stories of the other women in our lives it's how we learn how to do the things that are next around the bend. It's how we stop and think about how we want to handle situations. They're the things that prompt us to prayer, and they're the things that encourage our hearts. And so we are starting tonight with one very special woman that I'm going to introduce in a minute. But as you hear her story, I think you'll realize that in Magdalene's life, as when we hear the story of any other woman's life, you realize you're really walking on sacred ground, you get to see into a person's life the way they've responded to joys and the way they've responded to pain and trials. And so that's what we're here to do, is just enjoy what God has to teach us through his um, beloved other women. And so it's especially a gift for us who are a little younger to see the story of someone older in our lives. So I'm not going to talk anymore, but I want to introduce Magdalene Pop.
2: Very small, but our parents taught us how to pray and read the Bible and how to get to know Jesus. There wasn't too much on the material things, but we had Jesus. And we had our beautiful surroundings, mountains and forests and meadows. This was our playground. And I accepted Christ when I was 11. Uh, We did not um, have uh, big things, but we knew that our church was our refuge. So my teenage years were World War II, and some of you might know and remember, and maybe some of you are quite young not to know, (laughs) and it's good, (laughs) but there were not very good years. And um, on account of the war, I could not um, do what I like to do. I became a hairdresser. So it was always work for me I did not have to search around a lot for work. There was always something I could do. And then the war ended, and the Russians marched in. And you heard about communism. That was not easy. It was complete chaos, complete chaos. There were no more schools open, or there were no more. Um, food anyways, but it was really bad, So, but we did have the Lord and he was our refuge. So the times uh, went on and the Russians uh, took all the factories apart and shipped everything by rail to Russia, they even took uh, all the laboratories, whatever was movable they did. They even took light fixtures, (laughs) believe it or not. (laughs) It was really a sad time. But it was not only the communism was fearing. We lived in fear. And a lot of times we, uh, we were not forbidden not to meet in church, but we still were fearful when we met that they would come in. And our church was in a way where the Russians' chasms were, where all the soldiers lived in the back. And this was sometimes uh, very annoying, So and we were very careful. But we could meet, and this was always our joy, to have uh, Jesus and to be together, in fact, Those hard times pulled us together, and communism is uh, very loud, and all over they had those big propaganda, and they had loud loudspeakers all over. It was just terrible. So, to me, it always seemed like it was the roaring lying coming, you know. So it was scary, and everything was hush hush. We couldn't talk. There were also communists from our own countrymen's and he would deceive you. That was very dangerous, and you never knew who was who. So we really had to ask God to protect us, and he did, and he always cared for us, and we could meet and have uh, fellowship together. Then we had hunger, fear, always fear, but with it we had hunger. Now, if you go to a starvation period for years, you know it's it's very bad. Your body does not have the same uh, strength anymore, and uh, you are susceptible to uh, infectious sicknesses. And that is what happened. So it was like epidemic with very infectious uh, sicknesses. And my dad contracted TB, and there were no medications. It was, was really hard, so our prayer always was, Lord, we need this, or could it be that way, and always for help. And then we had a young people group, which was really wonderful. God just worked in our young lives. We were, you know, teenagers, and then 20, and up to 25 before I left. And we had a great time in our young people group. So there was uh, boys uh, younger than I was, all the young men who were my age and a little older, the soldiers didn't come back. But the younger generation was there, and we had in our young people group more boys than girls, which was very good. And <laughs> not for me so much. <laughs> yeah. But they were our protectors, and it was just great. Well, we're very thankful my brother, he was near older than I am, my older brother. He came back and he became our leader in our young people group. And God did something great in our young people group. He melted us together from the hardship. We all had the same hardship. And the hunger was so bad sometimes, so what we had to do as families, we uh, took turns and we took early train in the morning and we went with the train out to the countryside where there were farms and farmers, and then we actually, we had money to pay, but actually it felt like begging for food. And then, you know, later, then they wanted not only money, they wanted to have some nice things, uh, valuable things to change, you know. So we did change our good stuff we had. So <laughs> for some potatoes, or the highest yield we could get was flour. And it was just wonderful that we had it. But it was just very grueling when you go out to the farms and you had to walk. From one farm to the other and you gathered some stuff. You had maybe fifty pounds in your backpack and on your sides and you had to walk miles, miles back to the rail station. It was just pooling. But we had something to eat for three and four months, you know, we split it up nicely and so that was our hunger time. But every time we went out, you know, it was never without prayer. The Lord was our guide, our leader. I remember going out to with my younger brother, and it was too early to knock at doors, so we sat on a side field on a little ways and waited until the farmers would be up enough to knock at the door. We would pray together on that little walkway right there. And right in front of us, there was a ripe field, almost ripe, was a meadow log growing up. Singing beautiful, and it was so uplifting. And we prayed there, and was just so great. And then, believe it, it was wonderful. We were so encouraged. And on the first door we knocked, we got our sacks filled. (laughs) And it was flour. You know, flour was very, very um, high. So, So God was good. He always answered prayers. Even in our hardship, the answer was always there. And then, of course, after Russians found some uranium in our mountain areas and they opened up mines, a lot of mines and prisons, all the people had to work in mines. And you know what it did? It was just terrible. They had a lot of whiskey and, oh, it was awful. So our city, they named it Sodom and Gomorrah. So he must have known something about the Bible. (laughs) Well. Because of the uranium mine, it was a special area secured. You had a very hard time going in and out, and so you always with your with your passport and always with identification. And the Russians were always there. Anyways, uh, we we as a young people group, then we really were encouraged amongst us, and we had hard to tell our testimony. to, so, you know. We have to be very careful, and even so, when we met in church, we had to be very careful because we always were afraid the Russians would come in. But we were not forbidden that we could meet, so we always could meet. I know very often in all that hard times, I prayed and I said, Lord, how can I help my family? What can I do? You search for it, your life is young, and you want to be ambitious and all, but there was no chance, nothing. And everybody had to work for the government. There was no other job except the private jobs, you know, like I had. So, But then very often um, you wondered, you know, how long life would go on like that. So then with our young people, we had such good times, our prayer life changed. And it was like in... A awakening, like a um, revival going on. And it was just great. So we would go into other neighboring churches as a young people and give our witness and sing and so. And when we had no other recreation, but we had time we met when we went wandon, which means hiking in our mountains, which was always uh, a delight. We had empty stomachs, but we had the joy of the Lord. And it was just great. But then, at one time, we came back, we we're almost home, maybe three blocks from the, t- from the house where Anne lived, and the boys were walking behind us, we were in front, and here came two Russians drunk. Well, at first we didn't realize, but then, when we came closer, they crept in, and she wanted to wiggle free, and the guy got, the soldier got so mad, and he crushed her on the sidewalk. And we sprang in to help, and the other one pulled out his gun and waved it in front of our faces like this. Now, you know what we did. We cried for Jesus, for God to help. we needed it, we needed it right now and um, <clears throat> while she was wrestling with him uh, on the sidewalk, we couldn't do anything we we just we just... Uh, Didn't know, but God answered prayers. And you know, the right minute there was a shout out of the second window from the house, and I was the commander who had seen that all the people who walked by watched the scene. And there was some people standing, and he wondered why the people looked like that. So he looked down and he saw what was going on. And he did one shout, a command, and they had to let loose. So he let Anne loose, and he put his gun in. When he came down, and he apologized to us. So he said, you're going to be punished for it. But, you know, we knew that God is so great that he rescued us, and uh, we were so thankful. We praised God for it. <clears throat> so and, and very often in the cold winter times, we, we would run to Bible study, It was just great Bible study. We had a minister from Poland who was a refugee, and he taught us on Revelation, and that was great. So we would not miss any Bible study. We wanted a Bible study. In the wintertime when it was cold, we, each one could bring in maybe a couple of pieces cold. We had a little stove and there. We would heat a little stove, and we would drink in the Word of God. It was wonderful. And it did something to us. So our whole group, it was just, just great. Well, but always, you know, my dad was in and out of the hospital, but there wasn't any medication. And then we heard there was a new drug out, which came from America and came to West Germany. It was streptomycin. And uh, if we would have that, my dad could be safe. So his sickness was bad at the time. So I prayed and we prayed. And, uh, and said, Lord, how, how can you get me out of my father's house, of my country, into a land where milk and honey was flowing. That was America for us. And our prayer persisted. And then we had a lay preacher come one night, one, one time, and then he came to visit and he said, Oh, my daughter is uh, your age and she just applied for immigration papers to Canada. I I never heard of that. Is that possible? I said yeah, she lives in East Berlin, but she works in West Berlin. She had special permission to go back and forth. So she said she's, he's coming. She's coming on the weekend. If you want to talk to her, oh, I said I couldn't wait to talk to her. So she came, and we talked. Oh, she gave me all the information on whom to address and all. It was just music for my ears. I said God. You can do it. And that night, I did not go to bed. I was reading and praying, and I was writing my letter. One wasn't good enough. I wrote another one. Well, anyways, but God was so good to me, and he gave me scripture. And I have to read that to you. It's just wonderful. In Psalm 18, 28, it says, For you will light my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. Now here comes. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. And as for God, his ways is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust him. Ah, I was so strengthened. I didn't know that I was tired. (laughs) It was just uh, wonderful. So... I sent my letters, and didn't take too long. I got some news that I was a good candidate, and that I, but I needed papers. One paper was from the police, and the other one was from the city hall, and one was about my uh, medical and X-ray from my lungs. So it just was impossible because nobody. Nobody could know what was going on. They would have taken me along to Russia, but everything was hush hush. Only my immediate family knew that I did write and that I wanted to immigrate. So I prayed. I said, "Lord, just help me get those papers." But how? So I sent my mother. I said, "Just lay it down. Just go and and see what you you know can find out." So she said, "Oh, no way, no way." So I prayed and I said, Lord, I just, I just trust you. And I did. And the thought came to me that I would apply for a summer job on the Baltic Sea. That's where the communists sent all their vacationers. And it would take me en route to Berlin. And with this, I, I could go to this police and city and could apply for that papers I needed. So I did that, and it worked. <laughs> <laughs> but the only thing I was very concerned, I could not get the X-ray from my lungs because um, my dad was always gone, but I, it was nothing in our family. It was, uh, you know, disease, uh, infection he got. And we were monitored every month we had to go to get an x-ray in order to get food stamps this was very good but there were so many people sick many many people it was an epidemic the schools were made into hospitals so now you know what that meant so many people well i went to the doctor who treated my father and um, praying of course and i he didn't say too much and he just understood but he would have been liable too if it would come out something would have been wrong you know so he would have been so but he did not make many words he gave me my papers and i sent them but i always had to send them over the cover address i couldn't send direct the girl who was had applied for the immigration she lived in east berlin and went every day to west berlin with a special Condor, what you call it, you know. And then um, I sent it always to her because it was always uh, a danger they would find out. So one day I came home after I had sent all the papers and I came home and my mother was so anxiously waiting and she said, you had a letter and it's censored. Open and the mark over there, censored. She said, what are you going to do? Oh, I said, I'm not going to wait until you pick me up. I'm going to leave tomorrow morning. I did. I couldn't say goodbye to my dad. He was in the hospital. And my brother had, in my older brother, who he had in get married. So, and I had promised my younger brother, when I make it, I will give him a disguised message. Then he would come too. Well, it, it really was a kind of scary And then I said to my mother, I said, I'm leaving tomorrow morning. So, and I said goodbye to my mom and my younger brother. And I remember my mom cried and she said, I only let you go because I know you go with God. And we parted and then I took the train to Berlin. No problem, I was uh, um, checked quite a few times but I had my papers, there were no problems. Then I went to that friend, with my cover address, and I could stay with her overnight, and then she said to me, she advised me, she said to me, you know what you have to do? Tomorrow morning, at this and this time, go with the heaviest traffic. There were soldiers and police all over, and there were the checkpoints, and. But with prayer and my Bible verse, for by by you I can run against the troop. I really did, and really, and by my God, I can leap over a wall. That wasn't in me, and I was uh, encouraged. And so she said, see that you, when you get your, when you hold your passport, see that you stand behind. And uh, it was so many people going through. You did not have any um, chance to look for where you want to go. But I stayed in the back. And then they pushed me through halfway, on a here were those soldiers and police, and I was holding my passport like this. Halfway open, and halfway behind a man's head. So. But my heart was pounding so loud, I thought everybody heard. But here was my Bible verse. I can run against the troop. Lord, I can run against the troop. And I I came through it. They took all the others. They didn't take mine. So, but it took me quite a while when I was by there to realize I was through. And I always feared they would come after me. There were so many soldiers. So I always feared they'd come after me. So I had been gone quite a while until I realized I really made it. So I went to the place to apply for asylum, asylum, And there I had have been put into a refugee home and wait my course, my course to come up, you know, uh, when they ever called me. So they checked everybody very thoroughly. So it was there with with my Jesus that I witnessed to people. I couldn't help it because Jesus was in me. But then I had an experience. One night we could go for walks, one night, I came in, and here were in the middle of the room, there were bunk beds on both sides. Mine was the last one in the back on the, by the window. And there were all those people standing around and laughing and shouting. And I came in, and said, says, oh, it's your turn, your turn. I didn't know what was going on, so they put me to the table, and it was my turn. And here, there, a woman was laying the cards and reading your hands. And he pulled me, and it was my throne. I said, no, I don't want that. I don't believe in it. But he didn't let go, didn't let me in. I said, no, the Bible says it's sin. That's what I said. (laughs) It just came out of me. (laughs) But you know what? It changed the whole atmosphere in a second. They would ridicule me, and they were really bad, and I didn't know what, I couldn't say anything, nothing. I went up to my bunk bed, and something strange happened to me. I was so full of fear. Some fear gripped me. I couldn't explain it. I said, what is this? I was actually shaking, and it got worse and worse. It affected my breathing. I cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord, just save me. And night was coming. How could I survive that night? You know, I was attacked by an unseen enemy because I spoke of the Bible. And I prayed to God. I said, God, Jesus, I didn't know what, and night was coming. So all I had, I always slept with my Bible on my head, on my right side. I, I took my Bible. All I could do, and I opened up, and I wanted to read. I didn't know where or anything, but I was holding it. And one of a sudden, a Bible verse came right out of the Bible in front of my eyes. And it says, The angel of the Lord encamped around and about them who fear him and delivered them. Wow. I still see the big fat words. And then, one of a sudden, it got so quiet. No more voices. Quiet. There were a lot of people, children in the room. It was very loud. But it became so quiet and it's so peaceful. It came around me. It was wonderful peace. Peace of God, the angel of the Lord. And I fell asleep. was not wonderful. But... A couple of days later, I got the first letter from my dad written from the hospital. What a nice letter. And guess what was on the bottom? The angel of the Lord encamps around about them who fear him and deliver them. Isn't the Lord wonderful? And then my keys came up and I was transferred to another camp to, for girls. I was shipped by a, what you call by a truck very uh, wooden truck and uh, just a bench and into another camp. I didn't know where, but it didn't matter anymore. <laughs> I came to another camp, a refugee camp, and a uh, big room was all carts in, and I didn't have much belongings anyways. So uh, I s- saw the best nice straight cart and there was nobody else in there. And then next day we had to be... I had to do some chores, and I had to sweep, and so. But I lost my heel from my shoe. That was my only thing. So I had to limp around. (laughs) It was awkward. I said, Lord, what about my shoe? (laughs) Yeah, you know what? Jesus became such a close friend to me. So near, so close. It's wonderful to have that experience. So if you lose your heel, think about it. (laughs) So I said, Lord, what about my heel? But I had to walk around. Well, that evening I came into the room and there was a new group of girls there. And the sight I can say that they're all girls, the sight was kind of discouraging me. They were all half naked and sitting around one bed. In the middle was a girl. They had one cigarette going around. Each one got a puff. And I said, hi. And I said, but nobody answered or they ignored me altogether. So what are you going to do? I looked for my card and it was gone. (laughs) My stuff was gone and another one. So I took, didn't say anything, but I took, uh, you know, nothing else to do. I laid on my card and I took my Bible. And while I took my Bible, they were making fun of me. So they must have seen my Bible and read in it my name. You must have known who I was. And then they was, you know, making so much fun of me and God. And I spoke up and I said, well, it's all right if you do it to me. But if you do it to God, he will hold you responsible. And um, then the one girl in the center who was out talking, I took my Bible and I said, I read my Bible. But, you know, I couldn't. The girl who was in the center told her escapee story. It was so terrible. I felt so sorry for her. I prayed when she was talking. And I thought, wow, I said, that was really something. And then I was reading, going to sleep, and I prayed. I said, Lord, I said, uh, I have requests. Could you take me out from away from those girls? I wasn't comfortable. And I said, Lord, you know, my, my heel, I need how could I get it fixed? And and I had no toothpaste, Lord. You know I had no toothpaste. (laughs) So, and that was my prayer. I went to sleep. (laughs) So, the next morning I woke up and we each had to do our chores. I get out in the hallway and here was that girl who told a story. And she caught me. She said, hey, she said, what about your God? Just see, what a wonderful opportunity. What about my God? He was a God of love, not what she experienced. And so we went back into the room, and we read the Bible, we prayed together. i never forgotten her name. Her name was Ursula And I never knew what became of her, and she, of course, so. It was just, uh, you know, nice, uh, so wonderful. I knew that God designed it, that I had to tell her about my Lord. And then I was going back to do something, and my name was called over the loudspeaker. And, oh, you know, from that Russian, from the communist, you always were full of fear. And I said, oh, what did I do? I didn't do anything wrong. Then Lord, go with me, go with me. Come to the headquarters immediately. I didn't do anything wrong. So I got there, and here was that lady. At that time, I called her elderly, but today I would call her middle-aged. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and um, she was so nice, and she said, well, sit down. And she had all my papers in front of her, and she knew where I was, what I was wanted to immigrate to Canada. And she said, I read your papers, and I called you. I wanted to ask you, just listen to that. I wanted to ask you if you could take care of my private stuff, of my little apartment. That means you would have to get out of the compound. There were the executives lives in a nice wooded area, and you can be there all day and just do my little wash and my little apartment, and, uh, and I pay you 2 mark 50 a week. I was so overwhelmed. Oh, she said, and tomorrow, I send the career down to the city, to the shoemaker. I have shoes made there. I want you to pick up my shoes from the shoemaker. <laughs> Isn't he a wonderful guy? <laughs> and I had money to buy toothpaste. You know? She said, I pay you in advance. She gave it to me right then. She paid me in advance. It was just so great. So I had my shoes fixed and I had toothpaste and this lady was so nice to me. She invited me Sundays when she had her nieces come out from the city and they were Christians. It was just so wonderful that you know I had to, this encounter with her and when my time came to be released, it was about four weeks, she called me and she said, um, I'm not allowed to do that, but I will do that for you. I know that you have to go to Bremerhaven, where my boat would leave, to uh, Canada. And uh, I release you there. And whatever you could find, someone you could, room with, where you get something, you can sleep. Because it was also bombed from the war, damaged, there was uh, no living quarters at all and that's why she was not allowed to release me there so i know in, it was in my bible the pastor who had baptized me 14 years before that he was pastoring a church there and i knew i, I looked up the address before and so i could go and ask him and i got a nice just a bed one bed in a very bed up in the attic get a ladder up there so i had a bed It was great. And then she gave me papers that I had, that they were obliged to give me some job because it was my bread. So I did go to that. I came there. First of all, I get my fare out. When I was sitting the first time in the train, in freedom, seeing different people, not people like this, like we were in East Germany. Everybody was down. Everybody had. Not friendly, you know. Everybody had a, a problems and all that. You understand, you know what we went through, and they didn't have Jesus either. But we had the joy of the Lord, even if we had empty stomachs. So, anyways, I had to, um, had my bed, and then I had to go to that station for the from for some job. And here, um, they didn't have it that day. They told me to come back next day. And I went to the uh, streetcar, and it left right in front of me. And I was looking when the next one goes, and here was that gentleman standing. And while I was running, I had no breakfast, I had no lunch, and I said, wow, I'm hungry. He said, Lord, I'm hungry. So so I was waiting, and then I got to the streetcar, and then I was that gentleman standing there, and he's, he said, oh, where are you from? So you started talking. And he said, well, it takes a good hour before the next one comes. And so, and it started raining. And he says, come on over here. So there's a restaurant, we can wait in there. So I went in the restaurant and then and he said, may I buy you something to eat? It was a strange, nice gentleman. I said, I, uh, I said okay, yes, I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, can I take it? Yeah. <laughs> so. I was uh, thankful, and he was very, very polite. He took his paper and read the paper, and I could eat in peace, and I had a pork chop. <laughs> 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 you remember those things, because. <laughs> so, and, um, so then he said, Oh, he said, um, I said, I have to go back tomorrow. So, and he said, Well, it would be nice. I would like to know how your case goes out, you know. So, can I meet you tomorrow? I said, Okay. So then the next day, I got there to the employment office. I got my job, nice job. I didn't know where it was, but then I went back and I said, I don't care if I would see the guy or not. So I did um, not really want to see him. So, But then I said, I'll go on the other side of the street, and I bumped right into him. (laughs) And said, oh, here you are. (laughs) So I said, come on in for a cup of coffee. Okay, well, where's your job? Then there. Oh, I said, I know where the area is, and so we talked. And he said, then, one of a sudden, his hand was landing on mine, and I said, Oh, I said, Lord, give me the words, (laughs) and he, and he said, I wanted to make you a proposition. He said, you could live with me in my apartment, free um, room and board, and. and I prayed, Lord, give me the words. And the Lord did. So I said to him, I couldn't do that, that I belong to someone else. And his name was Jesus Christ. Oh, he was taken aback. <laughs> he was. And now he had to do it with Christ and not with me anymore. <laughs> So it took a long time. He couldn't say anything. But I felt free to share my Jesus with him. (laughs) So, well, I had my papers, and I had a job. Oh, yeah, then with my first money I made on my job, I bought that medication for my dad. I sent it. He was 54 years old when he got sick. And he died when he was 86. wasn't a lot wonderful. I sent only twice. So it took all my money. It didn't matter. It was great. (laughs) So here I was waiting for my uh, journey going to Canada. And when I came, oh, yeah, I think just how wonderful. The job I got was right on the same street in the front where the um, camp was for the uh, immigration. And each one who ever wanted to leave the country had to spend a whole day in that camp, no matter what. You had to be in that camp. So my job was right in front of the street. So I could walk there. I didn't have to spend any money or anything. So it was just wonderful how God arranged everything, step by step, it was just wonderful. Then um, I immigrated, got into the boat. I came to Benipeck, and on the station we were greeted with a beautiful choir from a church. I forgot. The uh, Himmel Rumen, the ehre Gottes. I cannot say that now in English. Uh, the heavens declare the glory of God. And they were singing that. And we are poor little newcomers, not knowing any English or anything, and waiting to be taken to a family, fulfill my promise. I uh, have one year in domestic work, which I signed the paper to pay back my fare. And then I I got into the family. They took me, but it was just wonderful. And I attended that church, which had a lot of immigrants. And then I... uh, Went to make my license with a friend of mine from church. She could speak English, which I couldn't, but she helped me. She was my model at the same time. And I made my license and I got a job with as a, as a hairstylist. <laughs> he spoke German. <laughs> 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 so by that time, I was 26. And then I thought, uh, Lord, it would be nice if I had a nice husband. <laughs> And I had such wonderful relationship with my Jesus. I could be very open, like my dear, deepest friend. And I said, Lord, would you have a nice husband for me and a tall one? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of nerved, you know. Now I think at that time I, but the Lord knew my thoughts anyway, didn't he? So I met my husband in the church, and he comes 30 miles. From my hometown, from East Germany, he was raised 30 miles, and then he had fled East Germany four years before I did to study in West Germany, and we got married. Um, he proposed in February. We got married in August, and the Lord was so good, and He gave us a nice, gave me a nice, us a nice family. And He gave me Norman and Tricia and wonderful grandchildren. I praise him, and I thank him. And I like to say that um, looking back at my hard time, which were almost 10 years, that I'm so thankful of my hardship, what God gave me in those hard times. Those were building blocks in my walk by faith. That made me what I really am with God. It was wonderful. And David says, it was good for me to be afflicted. And in Hebrew, it says, all trials, when it happens, it's not joyous, but it's very grievous. But afterwards, it will yield the fruit of righteousness, which are trained by it. So if the trial takes longer, you know, it's it's training. Training, it wasn't always easy. But the Lord is faithful. The faithfulness of God is so great in my life, what he did for me. He is an awesome God i like to close with Psalm 103. It's very dear to me. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives you all your iniquities who heals all your diseases, who redeemed your life from destruction, and who uh, crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, and who satisfies your mouth with good things that your youth is renewed like eagles. This is all my experience. And I thank the Lord that I could share that with you.
1: God, we just, we thank you. We thank you for just a time to gather tonight. Thank you that you are big and that you guide us through trials, and um, joyous times. Thank you for just this evening together to hear about Magdalene's life and her walk of faith. God, I pray that each person here would be encouraged, encouraged to walk on that path, though it may look different, to be seeking you. We pray your blessing on each woman here, we give you thanks, Lord, that you are loving and you are good. Amen.
0: The Story Night Podcast. A ministry of Calvary Mac. For more women's stories, visit calvarymac.com slash women.